Looks like some kind of insect. A bee. Bees, Scotty. Killer bees. Are you endowing these bees with human motives? Do you have any idea what those bees can do? The honeybee is vital to the environment. Oh, no, not the bees! Not the bees! Ah! Welcome to Killer Bees. This is not a Wu-Tang podcast. No, this is a podcast that profiles B-movie and genre icons. My name is Garrett Smith. And my name is Tori Potenza. We can be found everywhere on the internet at Killer Bees Podcast. That's Killer BS Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and at gmail.com. We're part of the Movie John Podcast Network, which can be found on moviejohn.com. That's the Philadelphia John, J-A-W-N. Our artwork is by Alex Schneider, and our music is by Christine Rayburn and her partner, Pat. And today... We are talking about the legendary Tom Noonan. 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 Do you uh, know that Caddyshack joke? I don't remember. It's been a while. There's a character named Noonan. They just like oh, okay. constantly go like, Noonan. Gotcha. Yep. Cool. Really cool. <laughs> My dad would think that's cool. My dad would also think it's cool, probably. Yeah. <laughs> go dads and their love of Caddyshack. Um, but yes, uh, we are talking about Tom Noonan, who, uh, I would say until, like, I guess even a couple months ago, I didn't really think of as, like, a, uh, actor that did, like, a bunch of different weird stuff, because I had only seen him, I think, in one thing from, like, the 2000s, which we'll talk about later. Right, so I guess you knew him, I guess you don't assume when you see someone in one horror movie that, like, hey, that's, like, their thing. Yeah. They're, like, a genre person. because I was like, oh, it's, you know, this, like, older dude that's yeah. pretty good, but, like, I didn't recognize that yeah. he had this like could career. have been anyone to you i guess yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, until we we like ran we watched something for our peter weller episode which yes. we'll talk about yes yeah yep. yeah uh noonan is a guy that uh has definitely had some space in my brain for a while mm. um he's a very distinct looking actor and has yes. had some kind of cool little parts and some stuff that well, i have loved for for many years yeah i mean now that uh, we are delving into his like work and like watched all of this stuff. He is such an interesting actor because, and this is a thing I think we're going to talk about with a lot of his roles is he is a very tall, like soft spoken guy who's got kind of a weird, creepy presence. Yes. And some movies use it to make him a total creep, and some of them uh, kind of bank on him being a sweetheart, but it's like something that. Seems to be utilized like in all of the roles that he takes, which is very interesting. Totally, and yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about it. But yeah, it's we talked about how yeah. disarming it is that he sounds like such a sweet, genuine person, yes. but looks like such a potentially imposing, scary yeah. person. You know, yeah, he's a tall white male. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, Tom Noonan has uh, eighty-three acting credits, uh, five director credits, and uh, four writers credits or eight writers credits i don't know why i said four uh so yeah uh we'll we'll also talk a little bit about some of the writing and directing that he did um but yes i uh have a quote that i found from him that i really like to start um so he says um i don't think you go to a play to forget or to a movie to be distracted i think life generally is a distraction and that going to a movie is a way to get back not go away oh that's a wonderful thought I know that's how I feel like I felt after I saw The Green Knight. 
uh, uh, where sure. it like brought me back to this like uh, uh, something inherently like human uh, in a lot of its ideas. And yeah, it re- I was like, oh shit, yeah, that that is why you go to the movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's I, yeah, I love this thought that um, uh, entertainment does not ne- need to be uh, crass and yeah. disposable. It. it uh, it actually can be considered yeah. something. It like cracks open something yeah. that is uh, Im- important. Yes. Yeah. Um, so Tom Noonan was born April 12th, uh, 1951 in Greenwich, Connecticut. Uh, Tom Noonan is 6'5", uh, which I just felt like we needed to state right off the bat. Very tall. Very, very tall man. Um he he had this other quote that I thought was kind of funny. He goes, I drive a lot of people a bit crazy, but I can't seem to help it. When I was a little kid, no matter what my parents told me, I would always argue, even if I agreed with them. I was like, oh, that's like a very interesting insight into uh, who you are as a person. Yeah, he says he's a know-it-all, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Uh, his, uh, he is this, uh, his mother was a mathematics teacher and his dad was a jazz musician, musician and, uh, dental surgeon, which is an interesting combination of things. That is very interesting. Um, he started off his career in various, uh, theater troops, uh, that utilize his skill as a guitarist and composer. Um, he graduated from Yale's acting school. And started working in theater, um, uh, appearing in the original off-Broadway production of Sam Shepard's play Buried Child. I don't know that one, but I'm familiar with Shepard, yeah. Yeah. Um, He founded the Paradise Theater in 1983. That's cool. It kind of makes sense to me, actually, that he's like uh, maybe more of a theater guy than a movie guy. Yes, that is the vibe that I have gotten. Um, He... also like in one of his things just talks about um there's a woman that he was married to very briefly they had a child um and he they like got divorced pretty quickly but he says i love my isolation and my solitude i can't stand working in an office because people are always at me so i often go home and i play chess online and that's my life (laughs) okay um and then yeah he he Kind of, I liked this just because it kind of gives insight into some of the like roles that we're going to talk about. But he kind of talks about his like demeanor and size and how that plays into like the roles he's done. He goes, yeah, but I'm also unpredictably crazy. You can't really tell what I'm going to do. Making bad people seem human is the key to making them really scary. To realize that really evil bad people are only bad a very small amount of the time. Most of the time they're pretty normal. They're just like you or me. I can't really vouch for that, but I think a lot of people want to pigeonhole a bad character or a villain as if they were pure evil. Nothing they do is of any use everything they do is just horrible and terrible and that's really not the case i like that he says i can't really vouch for this he's like yeah. look i'm not an evil person yeah. so i can't say one way or the other yeah, but like, i would suppose I'm okay yeah, but yeah. but like that is like what he pumps into his characters and i think makes a lot of sense it does yeah um so yeah his uh like act his uh film and television career started in the 80s uh so for tv he was in stuff like tales from the dark side and the equalizer i love how often the same shows come up for all of these i actors. know me too um in 1980 he uh his first film was willie and phil a comedy drama starring margot kidder and michael Onskeen, uh who is the sheriff in twin peaks oh sure yeah 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 
And um, then Margot Kidder. That, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, interesting combination. Um, he then was in a film called Gloria starring uh, Gina Rollins, uh, which was directed by John Cassavetes. Um, it's about a young boy. Uh, uh, when a young boy's family is killed by the mob, their tough neighbor Gloria becomes his reluctant guardian in possession of a book that the gangsters want the pair go on the run in New York. I uh, I looked this one up because um, I've been like kind of interested in John Cassavetes lately. Yeah. And uh, this sounds really good. It's Sounds interesting. Um, yeah, I, it it seems to be pretty well regarded. I I think we might dig this if we took the time to seek it out. Um, he then did a TV movie called Rage with an exclamation point, which had uh, Yafit Kota in it. Oh yeah, uh, about a uh, rapist who goes to therapy in prison to try to like rehabilitate themselves. Whoa, uh, which was interesting. Less awesome. Yeah. Um, and then he was in the film Heaven's Gate, uh, which has a lot of people, including, uh. John Hurt and Sam Waterston. Um, yeah, uh, this is like a pretty famous, like, I think a studio pumped a lot of money into this movie and then the movie didn't really like do that well. It is three hours and 39 minutes long, uh, meaning that it's something I never want to watch. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, I-, I think this is one of the movies that is credited with like studios kind of stopped giving people like blank check money, basically. Yeah. Um, because this just like did so badly compared mm-hmm. to what they put into it is my understanding yes uh but yeah he was in this movie with like a lot of big names which is interesting um and then in 1981 he was in the film wolfen uh starring albert finney uh about a cop that's investigating these m- really brutal murders and it turns out that it may be a wolf that is committing said murders yeah uh and we watched this we did watch this. And maybe, it was pretty boring. <laughs> maybe mistakenly, Noonan is like a a nameless cop that... No, you... he's not a cop. This isn't... is Wolfen. Yeah, isn't this the movie where he's a cop? No, this is the one where he loves wolves. Oh my God, that's right. Yes. This no, wa- this was a great movie to watch. This was a good Noonan This is movie. one of the few movies where he is legitimately kind of just we a le- weirdo sweetheart. We watched four of these in a row and you just yelled at me as if I should know <laughs> the difference between all of these movies. Yeah, it's the wolf movie yeah. and he's the wolf guy yeah. in the wolf movie. Yes. That's right. He is obsessed with wolves yes. in this movie. I do. It is amazing that I forgot that that's his role in this. Yeah, like he's kind of just this cute weirdo that like is like humans are terrible, wolves are beautiful, yeah. and you're like, oh, yeah. Uh, he's like one in a long list of suspects yeah. in this movie, basically. Um, and it is like kind of a small role for him, um, but like ultimately, I feel like he is very good in it and like oh, yeah. makes a decent splash. Um, it's a significant role because it's like the prototypical Noonan yeah. role, where he's just creepy enough that you're like, are you the fucking guy that's doing this? Yeah, like wolf obsessed man. Spoiler uh, alert, it turns out it's none of the guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yes, yeah. we kept being like, who's the wolf? And it like didn't matter. No, I, I actually, I think the concept that this ultimately gets to is interesting yes. in a vacuum. Like there's an interesting concept here. The movie itself is kind of boring, honestly, mostly because there's way too much of the wolf in vision. Oh, yeah, which is like a little, it's like the negative space kind of thing. Yeah, I forget yeah. what that's called. It's like a camera effect that's built yeah. into like most cameras these days. Yes. That just makes everything like the, the I guess, like the negative color yeah. spectrum or whatever. And it's like a little jarring when you're watching it for extended periods of time. Not only that, when like the movie isn't doing anything with it. Yeah, it is. I I really don't think I'm exaggerating when I say 10 minutes of this movie's runtime Mm -hmm. is just like what is meant to be like wolf vision. Yeah. 
but the wolf vision never matters. Mm-hmm. It's never building to some climactic moment of violence. Yeah. Sometimes it is, but rarely is it building to like some sort of like climactic mm-hmm. moment of violence. We are just randomly shown the wolf's vision from time to time. Yeah. And it doesn't really matter. It's not that important. The ex- the sequences are often pretty long and extended. Mm-hmm. It- it's just boring. Yeah. It- it's not that interesting. A- and the concept of like, hey, we're investigating these murders. It seems like a serial murderer. Mm-hmm. Oh, what if that murderer is actually a werewolf? And then, oh, what if actually what werewolves are is an explanation for like a real phenomenon that happens with like among like yeah. native people in their mythology and stuff? It's like yeah. it's a lot of hats on hats that are kind of interesting. Yeah. But I don't think the movie really like is doing anything with. Yeah, and it was it's uh, based on a novel that was written by Whitley Stryber, who was like a horror writer um, around that time, and he did uh, The Hunger, uh, which like we really loved. It's a movie we love. Um, yeah. But it is interesting because it feels like a novel in the sense that, like, there are all these really interesting ideas, but it makes sense that, like, a almost two-hour movie can't, like, actually fully flush out all these ideas like a book can. So you just get, like, snippets of it. Like, there is this group of Native Americans. There's, like, one of the first victims is this, like, gentrifier that's, like, doing all this, like, stuff to the neighborhood and doesn't really care about the people. And so there are... And then there's this weird fucking surveillance company that, like, is spying on everyone. And, like, none of those ideas really come around to anything, uh, which is just strange. And, And, like weird because I don't know I feel like the movie is the same scene over and over and over again and so it's like you had two hours to try and tell whatever story that book is telling yeah and you spent like 90 minutes of it giving me the same investigating scenes over and over again yeah this movie was pretty boring but Noonan is good in this he is very good I'm glad you reminded me he's the wolf whisperer he's the wolf guy Yeah, yeah yeah Um, but this is also, I think, the first film that he was in with Diane Venora, um, and they're oh, in, right. like, five or six movies together that I, like, actually clocked. Um, so it's, like, kind of interesting that, like, that just becomes a thing, that they work together a lot, and I tried to look it up to see if there was a reason for that, and I couldn't really find anything. Gotcha. Uh, but I did find that pretty interesting. Um, in 1983, he was in an action movie called Eddie Macon's Run, um, and then he was in Easy Money with Rodney Dangerfield and Joe Pesci. I almost looked that up for us. I didn't think you would be interested, nah, but I sort really. of think that would be funny to watch. Yeah, it could be. I feel like I, I have seen Dangerfield and Pesci stuff that I like, but like that's not a thing I'm interested in yeah, pursuing yeah. now in my life. That's uh, fair. Yeah. Uh, in 1984, he was in the film Best Defense starring Eddie Murphy about a military weapons engineer struggling to do his job responsibly while a hapless tank commander has to live with the consequences in combat years later. That's an Eddie Murphy movie? Yeah, it's very weird sounding. What? Yes. That sounds insane, and I can't believe there's like an Eddie Murphy movie I've never heard of. Yeah, had not heard of this at all. It's so strange. Um... In 1985, he was in the film The Man with One Red Shoe, starring Tom Hanks, about a man who's randomly picked uh, out of a crowd and is made the target of CIA surveillance, uh, which sounds just strange. Yeah, Um, it sounds like, oh, Tom Hanks is in that. Weird. Yeah, Yeah, it sounds like your classic paranoid CIA kind of stuff that was coming out in the 70s and 80s. Uh, And then in 1986, he was in the movie FX. uh, This is what I was thinking of. Which was really strange. And yeah, ultimately, like, was not the best to watch for Tom Noonan because he's, like, the fifth person. Like, it even says at the end, like, co-starring Tom Noonan. He has zero lines in this movie. So I'm like, like, how is he co-starring in this? He's a cop 
that's like basically in the background of some scenes. Yeah, he's yeah, and like you know he is good as just this tall, domineering kind of yeah. presence, but that's all he is there for, essentially. Yeah. Um, yeah, he does, I think he, like, chases some people at some point, which, yeah. like, his big stature is, like, interesting to look at doing that. But, yeah. Yeah, the, and, and this movie is a movie that you and I were both like, ooh, this sounds cool. Yeah. N- not cool, really. No, not really. You had a funny letterbox uh, review of it that was, like, by uncles for uncles. Yes, And it's yeah. very true. It, like, feels like a, a weird dad movie. And I know people that like this movie. I, I looked it up huh. on Letterboxd, and I have some mutual friends that seem to like this movie. Yeah. They think it's, like, an interesting thriller. And I think, conceptually, it's an interesting thriller. It yeah. is about... A, a director and special effects artist yeah. that gets hired to fake assassinate a real politician. Uh, a um, a mobster who they're trying to right. put into put like on trial witness cust- protection witness protection that's right yeah. that's right um, and they want to like make it look real like he really got done yeah. gunned down so people don't suspect that he is in witness protection because he's yeah. going to give over all this information right right um, but and yeah like it's interesting too because I like the idea of like a special effects person being the star because that was such a big thing at that time where yep. like they they were doing all these crazy practical effects so it is funny that they were like yeah let's start like writing movies about these these guys yeah, yeah. Uh, but it is ultimately like just kind of strange and tonally really weird and it was a little boring and again. yeah like, it boring. was just a little boring it, w- it was a little more engaging than wolfen i would say but yes. um i didn't think the thriller aspects of this worked all that well they didn't like totally add up for me in the yeah. ways that i would want them to yeah uh uh, and so, uh, yeah, I just, I really like the concept of this movie. I, I just kind of mm-hmm. wish it were a, a better, more exciting movie. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then he is in Manhunter, uh, the Michael Mann movie, which uh, we watched for the first time a couple weeks ago before we had like picked uh, Tom Noonan. Um, yeah, you, you watched it for the first time. This well, is, I, yeah, I had watched for the first this time. This is like my big Hannibal movie, and you are the big Hannibal fan in the house. So yes. this was like my one thing that I was uh, you know, holding over you all this time. Like, oh, we've got this one Hannibal piece of media that you've not seen that I think is really good, and you're going to love which which, you which did. i did yeah. yeah i mean i love michael mann uh yes. which we'll talk about even later on yes, yes. uh but the more of his stuff i see the more i just think um it, it's more than just like action movies i feel like he does write really interesting and like problematic uh lead characters and he doesn't shy away from their issues and the fact that they're problematic like they're all kind of these like just obsessed men that don't know how to do anything like but their job you yeah. know yes yes um and uh yeah so i was i mean yeah like i love hannibal uh brian fuller's hannibal is one of my favorite things i can't wait for season four to eventually happen uh but yeah this is one i had never seen and uh i overall like the casting is so weird in my head just from what like I picture totally um because it's the red dragon story and I've also seen red dragon a couple times with like Ed Norton and um the classic Hannibal Lecter Anthony Hopkins Hopkins. um and so it was and this so this is the third iteration of the red dragon story that I have seen uh but Tom Noonan plays uh I forget the character's name but he plays the The tooth fairy the (laughs) the red dragon character uh and makes so much sense for it now that like I know Tom Noonan a little bit better. I'm like, oh yes, th- of course this is the guy that you picked to play this creepy serial killer that has some like uh I don't want to say like defects, but he like has like some 
he has like a, a split lip or whatever, like uh yeah, um uh cleft palate. Cleft palate, yes. yes. Yeah. Uh and so like the red dragon's so interesting because he has this and it's like not a disfigurement, like right. it's pretty small, yeah. like thing on his face, mm-hmm. but like that kind of shapes his whole persona and he finds himself to be very different because of this yeah. and like doesn't talk to people. Um and so he just does all of that really well, I think. Well and then the whole thing is he meets this blind woman um yes. who kind of falls for him at the sound of his voice basically. Yeah. And it's the Tom Noonan thing. Yeah. He is such a scary a presence physically. Yeah. But he meets someone that can't see that part of mm-hmm. him and only hears that very gentle voice yeah. and assumes that they have found a gentle person. Yes. And it's that very disarming Noonan thing of like so gentle and you want to believe and trust him, but also like maybe the scariest motherfucker yeah. of all time. Yeah, because you're right. It is like the soft spoken voice that kind of reels you in with him, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I didn't even think about that. Like, yeah, as a person that can't see and you just hear that voice, it like feels like a very trusting presence. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, I mean, I fucking loved this movie so I, much. This it's movie just is incredible. Beautiful. Yeah, I mean, if people have not seen it, um, it's a really beautifully shot movie. Yep. It's on Criterion right now. Yes, yes. Part of their uh, neo-noir thing, Mm -hmm. I think. Um, Yeah, it's like um, it goes for surrealism in the way that it looks and is shot more than realism to the movie's benefit. Uh, I think if you're familiar with the Hannibal story, you know that it's this investigation of cop Mm -hmm. and criminal and two sides of the same coin and the psychology of these people. And I think kind of going for this more like surreal kind of... um, look to the movie kind of helps with the it's actually a psychological investigation Mm -hmm. aspect of it um yeah i just think this movie is like remarkable i've seen it a few times now it has gotten better every time i've seen it yeah it's great Uh, i think william peterson is fucking incredible in this movie yeah his will Will is interesting yeah he's a really interesting take on will especially now having seen a few different versions of will graham i really like this take on will graham i think it's really interesting Mm Yeah, I, and and I am also like a huge Michael Mann fan. Yeah. I'm big into aesthetics. That that whole internet Tumblr movement of aesthetic. Uh, yeah. And and Mann is kind of you know one of the big I don't know touchstones earmarks yeah. for that stuff. And uh, yeah, uh, it's also you know got great music. It's uh, yeah, yeah, it's just a, a great great movie. And 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 probably the quintessential Noonan performance and movie in my mind. Yeah, yeah, I think you're probably right. Um... Yeah, so I have like there's like a lot of different notes I have from this. Please, I, I want to hear it all. Movie. Yeah. Um, but he talks about like Michael Mann, and I don't really know much about Michael Mann as a person. Uh, but he said like Michael and I became very close during the shoot. Uh, but we almost never spoke to each other. He just sort of loved me, and that's how I felt. Uh, and that's how I felt as a person. He used to send me Christmas cards. Um, he, and he says like, oh, he like doesn't send them anymore, mm-hmm. which I think is funny. But uh, he then goes on to say like one time he was shooting and I said something to him. It was not disagreeing, but I wasn't level. He took me outside and said, you can say anything to me you want, but don't ever say anything in front of the crew. Other than that, he never talked to me. Huh. He would yell at people a lot. <laughs> wow. That's really interesting. But also like that feels like what I understand of Michael yes. Mann to me. Yeah. But Michael Mann lives up to his surname, I think, in uh, many ways. Yeah 
including probably being a little bit, I think, like curmudgeon and difficult. Yeah, sounds right. Um, and so if you have seen any iteration of the uh, like Red Dragon story, um, he uh, the killer is supposed to have like this giant red dragon tattoo on his back that's like from William Blake's painting. Yeah. Um, and so he spent hours in makeup so the artist could paint these fake tattoos on him. And then like they didn't actually They're do like, that piece. Never in, it's the movie. in the front. Uh, yeah. He has like a little bit of a tattoo, but uh, the giant piece they were working on yeah. just never came to fruition. And they actually hardly reference it in the movie, really. Like the yeah. Red Dragon stuff, I think is like loosely referenced once maybe in the movie. Yeah, they don't really get into like uh, his obsession with Blake and right. what that means. Right. So there's like a pretty iconic scene where he like goes and sees the Red Dragon painting and then eats it. Right. That's not right. actually in the movie at all. Right. It's like, right. it's interesting how much Michael Mann isn't interested in that aspect of the story. And I kind of get it after seeing more Michael Mann stuff. But yes, it's, right. It's interesting. Right, yeah. Um. Apparently, uh, Tom Noonan, uh, the character's name is Francis Dollarhide. Oh, right, um, right. He said that he avoided all eye contact with uh, cast members. Uh, he kind of just like isolated himself from everyone because um, he wanted to heighten the isolation and tension between him and other people, uh, particularly William Peterson. Um, even though it was early in my career, I still had done a bunch of weirdo parts. I am sort of a, I am sort of weird, but not that bad. I got the script and I read it and was like, oh my God, do I really want to do this? <laughs> um, so he got, uh, so he got an audition. I think he said that his audition was supposed to be at 10 AM, but there were all these people there and it kept getting pushed back and it got pushed back to like 1130. Okay. So he finally walks in the room and Michael Mann's there and he says, listen, I'm going to read and then I'm going to leave. Okay. And he was just like, okay. So he sits down. Uh, there was a woman reading with me who apparently was a casting assistant, but now she was the casting person and was uh, going to read with me. They put her opposite me, and I don't know, I didn't do anything, but she started to get really frightened of me, which made me feel really excited and full of myself. Michael got really excited and started wandering around the room. I could feel that he was really into what I was doing, too, and I thought, I got the job. Then I finished, and he started to talk to me, and I said, I told you, I'm reading, and now I'm leaving. <laughs> so he walks out he calls his agent and the agent's like uh what do you mean you walked out when he wanted to talk to you and he goes no he kept me waiting for an hour and a half and fuck him <laughs> <laughs> so he finally is like okay he wants to talk to you if he doesn't talk to you then you're not getting the job so he goes and talks to him um he goes uh I, I did go back and I talked to him for like a minute. He said, I have one question. I said, good. He said, you're really scary. How do you do that? I said, Michael, the secret to being scary is to be really scared because when you're really scared, people are really scared of you. He was like, wow. I said, okay. And I left. I got the job. <laughs> that actually kind of makes sense because his, his read on Francis uh, as a character yeah. is I think that he's like a very like is frightened of himself, frightened yes. of what he's doing, yeah. frightened of, you know, also frightened of the world around him, which mm -hmm. is driving him to do some of what he does. You know, he, yeah. he plays him as a very scared person. And that, that that's very, um, that's a pretty interesting, compelling read yep. on, on a serial killer. You I know? think it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, very interested guy. They like kind of refer to him as like a method actor in some stuff, which makes a lot of sense to me. I think the that's what he's getting at when he says like I wouldn't look at anybody, yeah. I wouldn't let anybody see me. Yeah, that that sounds very methody to me. Yeah. 
Um, and then in 1987, he was in the Monster Squad playing Frankenstein's monster, which we did watch for this. Hell and yeah, we did. It was my first time watching it. Um, and yeah, he, I mean, he's great in it. Uh, I really liked him as Frankenstein's monster, especially when we talk about like him kind of towing this line between good and bad. Because yes. I think what one thing that the movie does really well is like very quickly is like, no, Frankenstein is not actually like one of the bad guys. He's not an evil monster yeah. like the other universal monsters. Yeah. He is a misunderstood monster. Yeah, like people just see him and are like, oh, you're a gross monster. And yeah. he's just like, no, this is just how I was born. Yes. Like, I have nothing to do with this. I'm not trying to do bad things. I'm just tall and strong and yeah. I like don't know how to be in the world. Yeah, well, again, very Noonan. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah. So it makes perfect sense. Uh, yeah. And it was interesting to see this movie because uh, I kind of never saw many of these movies, which were like quintessential like for a lot of the kids. I I was growing up with but i think part of it is because like these are all like boy, boy centered movies yeah. so like as a girl like at the time growing up it felt like maybe there was like less for me there but also it's because like they didn't have like girl movies like this for yeah, for these, me these you know? kids aren't wearing any traveling pants so they they can't be in your yeah movies. like what the fuck yeah. <laughs> um but yeah i mean i i liked this a lot it was a lot of fun and i think uh a lot of the characters are like pretty like fun and funny in yeah. it. Um, even like the dad and his partner, the cops, like they're pretty funny. And yeah. yeah, it was it's, all enjoyable. Um, yeah, Fred Decker wrote and directed yes, this. Yeah. He uh, also did Night of the Creeps, and it's got very much that tone of yeah. just like, I love B movies. We're just making one right now. Yeah. We're going to have a lot of fun doing it. Um, there is definitely some gay panic jokes in this movie that have not aged well at all. And like, no. people should be warned about yeah. going into it now. Um, but, um, you know, otherwise I think it's like a really fun, funny, like this is my Goonies, like stand by me is my preferred little boys on an adventure mm -hmm. movie. But like, as far as the kind of more heightened genre version of that, I like this compared to most of the other ones. Yeah. I think this one's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, Noonan is, you know, he's just, he doesn't have a lot to do really, but he, he actually is doing a lot more, I think, than, than you realize, mm. right? He's I having agree. to do this very costumed performance. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Um, yeah. One of the things he said is I really liked doing that. Um, I've been offered a bunch of other things that are, were sort of horror parts. Uh, there was a movie called near dark. They wanted me to do. Oh my God. I know. Of course he totally makes sense for that. Um, and a bunch of other things that were sort of like creepy, violent people. And this was a cute movie. I really had fun doing it. I liked Fred Decker. I liked the kids and I didn't see the movie for 25 <laughs> years. Uh, when it, when it came out, um, I don't even know where I was. I don't go to premieres a lot, so I never saw saw the movie but I also had a really fun relationship with Stan Winston who was sort of a nut in a nice way he's just a great makeup guy and I sort of gravitated to him during the shoot and I kind of thought of him as a father uh, like he had created me and we used to laugh a lot about that okay yeah that's that's fun Stan Winston is like you know a legend at this point yeah. uh, who I love um, and then I added this note just because this was like very recently yeah. in uh, you know the the movie sphere was that the star, um, Andre, Andre Gower, mm -hmm. um, very recently, um, 
like there had been like um, some medical issues he had. And so there was like a GoFundMe for him. Um, but I realized that Super Yaki, who is a company I really like, um, joined forces with online supporters to help him cover his medical expenses. Um, and the realtor, was, the retailer was offering fans a chance to own a T-shirt with the special connection to Gower's career. Cool. And it was the Stephen King rules T-shirt yeah, that they did, cool. okay, that's which awesome. is really sweet. So I, I just really like that because I was seeing that all over the internet before yeah. I watched this yeah. uh, a few weeks ago. And he's terrific in it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think Gower is really fucking yeah. good in the movie. He's a really good, like, compelling lead boy. And, like, specifically because I actually think this is an interesting kind of difficult archetype that he had to play which is he is a nerd he's really into these monster movies yeah. but he's also like a like kind of a, a jockish type kid too mm, yeah he, that, that kid like really walks a line between like just very normal average plays baseball boy mm-hmm. that is also really into like some nerdy shit you yeah. know um yeah he's, he's really good and and um you know i guess our, our you know our love and our heart goes out to, to him as he struggles yeah. with uh these medical issues um, in 1989, Noonan was in the film Collision Course, which starred Jay Leno and Pat Morita. I wanted to strange. watch this because Jay Leno and Pat Morita apparently co-starred in a movie together. Yeah, they're like working together. Uh, Leno's a Detroit cop uh, and they team up to crack down on a stolen prototype turbocharger or whatever. Okay. I got to see it. I need to see it. Uh, And then he was in the film Mystery Train, which was directed by Jim Jarmusch. I had never heard of it, but it's like three interconnected stories um, by a Memphis hotel and the spirit of Elvis Presley. (laughs) Yeah. uh, This is like, I think a pretty well-known Jarmusch movie. I've not seen this one. I would like to. Um, and then we get to career his career in the 90s. Um, he was in a TV show called Monsters, which was a horror anthology that he also directed an episode of and I believe wrote two episodes Oh, that's of. cool. Um, and then he was in The X-Files. And I have some notes here because I love The X-Files. And this is actually an episode I have seen like many times. Um, it's called Paper Hearts. Uh, and it's about an incarcerated serial killer who claims that Mulder's sister was one of his victims. And if Holy you shit. are a fan, of the X-Files, you know, the big thing is that Mulder, uh, his, he has a memory of his sister being abducted by aliens right. and so he's, like, trying to find his sister. This is why he's obsessed with aliens and so this would, like, fuck him up if he found out that that was not true mm-hmm. and so it's, like, actually a really interesting episode where Tom Noonan's character is kind of, like, not, like, fucking with him, but he's kind of obsessed with Mulder and they have this weird give and take and he's, like, a child murderer. He's, like, trying to, like, unwind yeah. Mulder, kind of, yeah. Um, um, and then uh, one of the writers on X-Files uh, actually wrote the episode for him. Um, he oh, said cool. he hadn't done much TV. He'd done a little more uh, since then. But he called me and he says, I'm one of the writers of the show and I've written the script for you, but I don't want to give it to you until it's finished. Um, they sent it and it was really fun. So I thought I'd do it. And he had like a great time working with the crew, um, which just made me happy because I, awesome. I love the X-Files so much. Um and then in 1990, he was in RoboCop 2, uh, which we watched uh, a while ago as well for uh, Peter Weller. Yes, yes. Um, I was like, who did we watch that for? Yes. Not remembering that we did a Peter Weller Yeah, episode. we did Peter Weller. Uh, and yeah, like, you know, he and Nancy Allen both come back for the sequel. Um, and Tom Noonan is like the big bad character. And yeah. I think this is one of the few movies where they like 
I guess like his soft spoken voice like helps a little bit because he's kind of got like a cult following right. like of like his like underlings. Uh, but he's mostly just a chaotic evil character yeah. in this that is like fucked big. up and wild. Yeah, he's like big the whole time. Yeah. And then becomes like Robo Villain yes, is like yes. the whole like lead up is that like he and Robocop face off uh, once they take his brain and turn him into this. So yes. it's a very strange movie uh and he's he's very good in it oh yeah um, he's like having a ball yeah for sure it's like uh, it's fine i feel like we had fun with it yeah but uh it's, it's no robocop but no it, it's it, for a robocop sequel it's pretty good yes yeah kind of interesting um and yeah, there's this like weird story that Noonan kept saying, like when he was on uh, the set of RoboCop, he had a lot of issues where he was like having like these facial tremors, oh. and he didn't know what it was, and he kept going to doctors to figure it out, and he says he like still never figured out what it was, but this is like he I like begins to like kind of talk about how like he felt like he maybe didn't want to do these kinds of movies anymore mm. or he like wanted to pursue other creative avenues and then this is when he starts writing like a lot of plays and yeah. uh, directing too okay um so it is interesting that like there's this like change after he does robocop where he's like thinking about like okay i want to start like maybe financing my own films yeah. doing plays because he has this background in theater um so yeah, he uh, he then does in 1991. Um, he wrote the TV movie Red Wind, uh, which is about a Miami psychotherapist who specializes in treating people trapped in a, in abusive relationships, um, and they become obsessed with their new patient who keeps fantasizing about killing her abusive husband. Interesting. Um, so kind of sounds like he uh, wrote an erotic thriller, which yeah. is kind of interesting. Um, and then in 1993, he does the last action hero, and he plays the character Ripper. Yeah, this is one that I, I love. I know you've not seen this movie. No, but I did watch like the final scene between him and Arnold Schwarzenegger, and man, they do a number on him with makeup. He is like the creepiest. Oh yeah, he's character. scary. Yeah, he's yeah. very scary looking. He's like kind of meant to be like a slasher villain. He's got this giant. Yeah. and this like long stringy hair with like facial scars and like really bad teeth it's like kind of terrifying also a child killer i believe right isn't he like hanging a kid over the side of a building oh yeah or he something? throws a kid off the building yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, you're, i also don't know how that all wrapped up yeah, yeah. <laughs> if the kid was fine after because the clip ended well i believe in the context of the movie this is a scene in a movie oh, so it's, gotcha. it's not like a kid that you quote unquote need to be worried about interesting yeah okay yeah. um but yeah, he spoke very highly of Last Action Hero as a film that he was on. Um, he he said that this is the movie that helped him finance his first um, project that he directed. Oh, okay. Um, he said he was doing Last Action Hero, and they accommodated him uh, for his schedule, often in amazing ways, and allowed him to go um, to and from because uh, he was shooting uh, his first feature in okay. New York. Uh, so it's like he also speaks very highly of just like yeah, they like supported me doing my own film and like worked around me, which was really cute. That is cool. Um, he said he had a lot of fun. He loved doing it. Um, he really liked Arnold Schwarzenegger. Everybody loves him. Um, and he said he loved John McTiernan. Um, he just says, I just think he's one of the nicest, best prepared professional directors I've ever worked with. That's super cool to hear because McTiernan has like, you know, he had like kind of an odd personal history. I believe he was arrested at some point mm. and spent, did some jail time, I think. 
but like for like a tax thing or something. Oh, interesting. Um, but he's who directed Die Hard. Um, oh, yeah. So he's like one of the action greats of yeah. like the 80s and 90s. Um, and The Last Action Hero, it's so funny. Like The Last Action Hero is kind of like a send up of like macho 80s mm-hmm. American action movies, but like made like right in the middle of when we're still making those movies yeah. by the guy that like kind of makes those movies huge and popular mm. with Die Hard. You know That's what I mean? Interesting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, then in 1995, uh, he directed the film What Happened Was, and it stars him and like one other person. It's like yeah. him and this woman. Um, I've always wanted to see this. Yeah, it's about these two characters, Jackie and Michael, who are co-workers at a large, large law firm. They decide to meet for dinner one night, and um, as the first date plays out, the audience is guided through a mental minefield of disappointment. <laughs> okay. Um, he... Uh, talks he he like people asked him like you know who was your inspiration um like what directors did you work with that like helped you kind of learn how to be a director and he kind of talks about learning that a movie is like a crisis that just doesn't stop uh (laughs) people don't have time especially directors to take actors aside and say so tom when do you when do you do your movie um he's like but the people you can always talk to are people in the crew and i would spend a lot of time with the crew people i would stand next to the recording cart for whole movies sometimes during my uh, my time off or I would just hang out at the camera setup um, people or the gaffers or the grips I learned a lot that way which I think is like uh, kind of an interesting takeaway is just like oh yeah those are people that like are a little bit more accessible that you can yeah. like spend time with and learn from um, so this film uh was like a big Sundance Film Fest film. Yeah. Uh, it won the Grand Jury Prize and an Independent Spirit nomination. Cool, cool. Um, he filmed it in 11 days and it cost him $300,000. Um, and he managed to edit it only hours before it premiered at Sundance. <laughs> um, it's also said to be one of Charlie Kaufman's favorite films, That's which interesting. is interesting. Um, and then in 1995, he directs his second film called The Wife, which he is also in. It's about a patient and his erratic wife uh, who um, go to a new age therapist and like have dinner with him and his partner. Hmm. Um, it's based on his OB winning play called wifey. Um, and he, uh, the cast includes his former wife, Karen Young, uh, who's hmm. an actress. Um, and then the film was also warmly received at Sundance, but like kind of barely got a theatrical release. This poor guy. He did so well at Sundance. He got to make another movie the next year. Yeah, that is like wild. such a rare experience yeah. to have. And then for it to also be, like, well-liked, but just never get any traction yeah. or go anywhere, that's that's sad. I know. Um, and then he, uh, he we realize he only has a scene, but he is in the movie Heat. He works with Michael Mann again. Yes. Uh, and uh, it's, a, it's a fun little scene that he's got. Yeah, Heat. he's very good in it. He, like, he, I saw an interview where he just, like, talked about it was really cool to just work with De Niro for that scene. Because yeah. it's him just, like, kind of explaining this job to De Niro that yeah. he eventually takes. Like, it is the big job that, yes. uh, like, culminates at the end at the bank. Uh, so yeah, he has like a small but significant role in this movie, um, and yeah. you know he is very good in it. Yeah, he is. I mean, he just is—I don't know—bringing a lot to this like yeah. single small scene. Um, I just think this is like a terrific movie. It was like so fun to watch this. Like, you know, uh, you just have these two characters that are. This is the Michael Mann thing. I was—I'm so glad that you liked this because mm-hmm. it's like two characters that you shouldn't really like and don't really like and would probably never want to spend any time with, but they're very, like, compelling 
cinematic characters. Yeah. And, you don't want to spend time with Pacino in this movie who could just blow up and scream something in your face at any moment. And then explain to you why he decided to talk about a woman's like, ass Jesus. for 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> just like have a heart attack when yeah. you're talking to him. Yeah. Um, no, I loved this movie so much. Um, you know, I... I'm glad that we watched it, even though like Noonan's role is really small yeah. in it, just because this has like been on my watch list for a while. Um, and it's like a three hour movie, so I probably like wouldn't have like found uh, a different opportunity to right. watch it. Um, it was also the best thing we watched yesterday. Like everything else was like kind of downhill from here, even though we watched like one or two other good things. Yeah. Like we started our morning with heat, which yes. was fucking incredible. Yes, and yes. then I was like, Oh, well <laughs> it's a little hard to recover from heat. Yeah, I yeah. know. Uh, but yeah, I also like that uh, Noonan got to work with man again. I think that's cool. It is cool. I, I like that. That was like a, you know, I don't know, part of his career. Yes. Um, in 1998, he was in the film Phoenix with Ray Liotta about a cop with a gambling addiction who tries to uh, like rip off the bookies. Um, in 1999, he was in the film, the astronaut's wife, um, it's just a crazy movie title that I've known for my whole life and will never probably and know or see like that movie. And I think it's like Johnny Depp and Charlize Theron. Really? It's like weird. Yeah. Uh, not anything I feel like I'm interested in. But no. um, He was then in a movie called The Opportunist uh, with Christopher Walken and Sidney Lauper about a auto mechanic with a criminal past who agrees to one last heist to pay off his debts. A lot of crime movies. Uh, yeah, tons of crime movies. And then uh, Noonan directs his next film called Wang Dang. Uh, it is the real-time story of a washed-up director who's come to an unnamed film school to speak on the adventures of his career and ends up entertaining two nubile graduate students in his seedy off-campus motel room. That is a wild description. Yeah, it's insane. And it says a real-time story, which uh, that's interesting, too. I think that means, like... If it's a two-hour movie, it's a two-hour block of time that yeah, it takes place in. That's that's kind of what I get from this. Yeah. Um, and then we get to his roles in the 2000s. Uh, so for TV, he was on CSI with William Peterson again. Um, he was also on Law and Order, Criminal Intent, as well as SVU. Um, I have no idea who he plays, but I feel like, again, he's just good at playing, like, uh -huh. a, you know, small villains. So who knows if he's just, like, you know, the yeah, bad he's, guys. He's in probably these. not the guy that leads them to the guy. He's probably the guy. He's the guy. Yeah. Uh, in 2000, he was in the film The Photographer with Anthony Michael Hall, and in 2001 was in the film The Pledge starring Jack Nicholson. This uh, is a movie that I've seen the cover of a billion times in like video stores growing up. It's not familiar to me stuff. at all. I've seen the cover of this movie so many times and kind of want to watch it just to get that like yeah. out of my brain, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's another one where it's like a retired police detective pledges to catch the killer of a young child. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder who the killer is. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, to be fair, we always think that. And it's not always right, the case. Right. But a lot of the time yeah. it is the case. Um, he then does the film Knock Around Guys with Dennis Hopper and Vin Diesel. You know, I've never seen this Fucking movie. weird cast. Never wanted to until this moment when you told me Vin Diesel is in it. Weird. Uh, yeah, wannabe sons of mobsters go to a remote town in the Midwest to get themselves into more trouble than anyone could anticipate. Okay. 
Uh, and then in 2002, he has an uncredited role in the movie Eight-Legged Freaks, uh, which I have seen like a lot. I have not seen this. I need to see this. I believe yes. your one of your sisters has requested that I yes. see this. Uh, my sister Nella would like us to watch it, and she would like to be on an episode where we talk about it. So We'll just have to do David Arquette. Yes. Yeah, I was thinking that, or like maybe it would be fun to do just like some specials that are just like, let's dive into a true B movie sure. and Eight Legged Freaks is a true B movie. Yeah, yeah. I also hate spiders, so it's really weird to me that I've seen this <laughs> movie as much as I have. Um, he in 2003 does the film called The Egoists, which is like a drama, as well as the drama called Madness and Genius. Um, and then in 2004, he does a film called Hair High, which I think is on Tubi, and we're both actually pretty interested in watching. Yeah. Um, he's the principal. Uh, it's an animated film with voices by uh, Dermot Mulroney, David Carradine, Beverly D'Angelo, and Justin Long. Yeah. And it's literally described as an animated horror musical. Um, a gothic 50s high school comedy about a love triangle that goes terribly bad and two young murdered teens return to their prom to get revenge. Sounds like very fun. Uh, so I would like to watch this um, at some point. Yeah, and this is by a guy that's pretty well known in the animation world uh, named Bill Plimpton. Yes. Um, who's, I mean, just like worked on a ton of stuff, including like some Kanye West videos and stuff. Mm. But um, I think if people looked him up, they'd be like, oh, I've seen that and that and that. Like he, Bill yeah. Plimpton has been around forever doing this stuff. So I would really like to see it based on that, basically. Yeah. Um, he is then in a movie called The Roost, which I had not heard of, but it's directed by Ty West, oh. um, who I like. Um, he plays, quote, the horror host, uh, which is kind of great. Uh, it's about four friends marooned on a mysterious farm en route to a wedding who are terrorized by various creatures and zombies. It's so interesting that there's like an early Ty West movie that, uh, you know, I've not really heard of. Me neither, because I, whenever I look up Ty West, I'm like, why hasn't he done more? And this is not one that I feel like I've seen come up when I've like looked for a no. Other Ty West yeah. projects. I wonder, it's rated TV 14. Maybe it was a TV uh, yeah. movie. And that's why it's like hard to find or get your hands on. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, in 2006, he does a film called Seraphim Falls with Liam Neeson and Pierce Brosnan. Hmm. In 2007, he was in the movie Snow Angels, uh, which was directed by David Gordon Green, yeah. uh, which stars Kate Beckinsale and Sam Rockwell. I had not heard of this movie. Uh, I have heard of this movie because I'm familiar with Green's career. You and yeah. I both really liked his Halloween yeah. uh, sequel mm -hmm. remake-ish thing. This is like a drama, which is kind of different for him because he's comedy and now horror. Really. Yeah, yeah. I, he actually, he's got a really weird career. If you actually mm. look at it, he has like, he's like a journeyman director. He's really gotcha. like kind of done all kinds of stuff. Mm. Um, but yeah, this was like, I, I think one of the movies that kind of like popped for him at a certain point in his career. Gotcha. Um, in 2008, he was in Synecdoche, New York. Um, so he kind of becomes a Kaufman guy uh, eventually. And I, I have seen that movie. It makes sense to me, like having not seen his movies, mm -hmm. Noonan's movies that he directed, I, it, based on how you described a couple of them, yes, it makes sense to me that Kaufman likes his movies and wanted him for this. Cause if I'm not him. mistaken, I don't know if you know what Synecdoche is about, but um, I don't like Hoffman, so I don't. Philip care. Seymour Hoffman basically plays Charlie Kaufman in it, as mm. always happens. There's always like mm -hmm. a Charlie Kaufman character in Charlie Kaufman movies. Basically, plays Charlie Kaufman in it and is like trying to put on a play about himself and his life, mm. but then realizes in his creative process that one of the things that would have to happen in his play about himself and his life 
is his character would have to make the play about himself and his life and then realizes that that character would have to make the play about himself and like oh, that event, sounds exhausting. It, it's really like <laughs> it's supposed to be a horror movie according to Kaufman okay and it is about the horror of like not really being able to like I don't know like come to terms with oneself okay and eventually at a certain point he's got this huge warehouse where there are like six levels of plays being put on within plays being put on within plays and Tom Noonan gets cast as one of the versions of Philip Seymour Hoffman's mm-hmm. character. And so it really makes sense to me that Kaufman saw something in Noonan and his work and then cast him to play a surrogate of himself in his movie that's about himself and his work. God, I now never did, want yeah, to see Yeah, did that I give movie. you a headache even trying to talk about and God, describe I, all of that? I, Kaufman, like, fuck off. Like, no <laughs> offense, but fuck off. <laughs> um, he then is in the film called The Alphabet Killer with Elijah Dushku, Michael Ironside, and Carrie Elwes. Oh, those which are all is, people that we like, I think. Yeah, right? yeah. and it's uh, based on the true story of the double uh, initial killings in Rochester, New York, which huh. I think I've heard of before. Yeah, I'm not that familiar with that. That sounds interesting. Uh, in 2009, he was in the film Follow the Prophet, and then the same year, he does the Ty West film House of the Devil, which is the movie that I like know Tom Noonan from. This yes. is like the one movie of his I have seen uh, uh, several times uh, and love this movie. I think this is actually like very like high up on my favorite horror list. It's like yeah. very small and like, I don't know. Yeah. There's like just something like very understated about all of it, but I, I really love it. And I, one of the things is that like, I actually really like Tom Noonan's character in it. Oh, yeah. Um, So, like, this girl gets hired to be a babysitter for a night. It all seems, like, kind of creepy and weird, but she kind of decides to, like, give it a shot because she's strapped for cash. We talked about this a little bit because she's trying to get an apartment, and the uh, person that owns the apartment is Dee Wallace. Yes. Um, So she, like, is trying to scramble to get her down payment and just, like, takes this gig even though she doesn't really trust it. But Tom Noonan is the guy who she's in contact with, and he, like, keeps offering her more money because he, like, really needs someone to like be there for the night um he, he basically lies that he needs a babysitter it turns yes. out that it's his mother yeah so it's like it's like an older woman he's like but like don't worry like it's essentially the same thing she's gonna be up in her room all the whole time yeah. just like i just need someone to be here yeah. so my wife and i can go out for the night classic noonan character very yeah. imposing scary looking dude but has this very sweet voice and yes. is asking very kindly for her to yeah help him out for the evening so that yeah he can go and he's out. just like awkward and yeah. he like doesn't really feel like a guy that he, like is trying to be bad. It's like he can't help that he looks like kind of scary, yeah. you know. Um, so he like it works perfect for this yeah. role. Like I feel like this is like Ty West really knew how to use him, which oh, yeah. is really fun. And this is like you know this is such a great movie. I think the reason you and I responded to this movie so strongly. It's my favorite Ty West movie. Yes, is it's like a late seventies, early eighties like horror yeah. tone poem. It, it does it, a great job. With it's it. all about like the tone and the atmosphere of yeah. those late seventies, early eighties horror movies. Yeah, I, I think some people think this movie is boring because it is so yeah. invested in just the yeah. tone and atmosphere elements of that. Which stuff. I get. Like I find the innkeepers really yeah. boring, yeah. and so that like it, even though that's like a beloved Ty West yeah. movie, yeah. it's not at all my favorite. But yeah. like this one, just yeah, and it's probably the eighties vibes yeah. that really yeah. work for me. And I like the characters. Like Greta Gerwig has yeah. a really small role in it. Um, I always forget his name, but he's in Your Next and. Uh, I know I'm so bad with this guy's name and he's got a new movie out that I think looks pretty interesting called Night Drive. 
Oh, um, yes. Yes. Uh, hold on. I'm going to find his name so that we can. Uh, oh, it's uh, AJ Bowen. I didn't AJ even need to look it up. Yep. Uh, yeah. And AJ Bowen also kind of like creepy, but has something about him that you want to kind of believe yeah. in. And yeah. So it's, it's also just interesting that like those two actors work together really well in this very small film. Um. Noonan talks about it too. He said he liked the movie. He again was like, rarely do I see stuff I get to make in general, and even more rarely do I like the stuff I've done. I think this is a good movie, which I was very surprised by. Um, and then he was kind of asked, like, well, why were you surprised? And he was like, because generally these movies are not that good overall. It's just very unusual. And I also found it scary, and I rarely ever find anything scary. This movie is scary. I'm just this doddering old guy trying to get through the evening. I'm the one who gets terrified terrorized by uh by the end really which is kind of funny <laughs> what a funny read yeah um and then yeah he talks about like why does he get cast in horror movies and he says i think i probably have a creepy kind of scary quality otherwise i wouldn't get jobs but i also think it has a little bit to do with uh you've done it a couple times so people just see you that way now which i think probably makes sense that like ty west wanted him in this movie yeah. uh after like we've seen what he's done in the past it, it all makes sense to you me know, it, it's a shame sometimes that horror gets the reputation it does because you hear actors like noonan mm -hmm. who i think probably you know is a respected actor of the stage maybe even thinks of himself that way and might think of horror movies as like yeah. just schlock basically yeah but it's like it's what you and i are always talking about it's like it's not necessarily that people only see you as scary and that's why they want to cast you it's yeah. more that like the horror community is so insular, but in kind of a positive way. It's a community that loves, uh, has a lot of love for yeah. each other and the people in it. Ty West probably loved you in some movies yes. and thought you would be so perfect for this role that he wrote in this yeah. movie. You know, like... Yeah, it, like, the horror community seems like a community that, like, doesn't seem to forget you if you've yeah. done, like, a kind of cool role. Right. Even if you've just done, like, one role. Like, we want to meet you at conventions. Like, we want to cast you in things. Yeah. Like, we want you to be present in the community. And it's, like, that's why I love it so much. I mean, that's why uh, the, the kid from Monster Squad, like, there was this big yeah. poll on, online yeah. to, like, get him funding. It's because, like, people loved him from yeah. this one movie. Yeah. And so I think it's, you know, it's not as much being pigeonholed as I think some yeah. of these actors think. It's like, no, this community just loves you and they want, you yeah. know, to give you opportunity uh, yeah. within the community. Well, even like the fact that people like write roles for him, like someone wrote the yeah. role in the X-Files, which like, yeah, that's like kind of like an honor that yeah. someone was like, yeah, you're perfect for this re weird, creepy show. Yeah. Um, and then we get to his roles in the 2010s. Uh, so for TV, he was in things like Damages, Hell on Wheels, 12 Monkeys, and The Leftovers. Wow. Um, he seems like he was a regular on 12 Monkeys, actually, which I haven't heard like a ton about that show. I like that movie. Yeah. Um, in 2014, he was in Night of the Wolf, uh, when deadly beasts attack from the forest is up to a grizzled uh, ven uh, veteran to uncover what the residents of a secluded retirement community are hiding. Okay. <laughs> Sounds kind of fun. Um, he was then uh, in and directed the film The Shape of Something Squashed, uh, okay. which was another adaptation of one of his plays. I'm um, excited and heartened to hear that he is still getting to make movies like yes. as recently as, you know, whatever, like 10 years ago now. Yeah, for sure. Um, he then does a TV movie called How and Why, which was a Kaufman TV movie starring Michael Sarah. What? How do I not know about that? I yeah. like Michael Sarah. I would like to see him in a Charlie Kaufman thing. 
Um, in 2015, he also does another Kaufman movie called Anomalisa, which we talked about because Jennifer Jason Lee and David Thewlis are the other two characters in the film. Yep. Um, it's a puppet animated movie. Yes. Yep. And then his last role uh, was in 2017. It was uh, Wonderstruck from director Todd Haynes, who did yeah. Carol and I'm Not There. Wonderful director. Yeah. Um, I would like to see that movie. Um, so yeah, then just like some other kind of information. So, um, he's a New York based actor who continues to perform as well as teach acting at the Paradise Theater. That's uh, his which theater, his, right? Is his, uh, his theater, yes. Uh, where many of his plays turned films got off the ground. He has, um, also written short works of fiction. Um, yeah, I just wrote like that note that he was cast with Diane Venora like a bunch of times, yeah. uh, which I think is pretty interesting. He also has this note because um, he talks about liking Michael Mann so much and wanting to work with him more. And he said that at one point, Public Enemies uh, was like being filmed and they were talking about him doing something. He goes, I think I'm so much bigger than Johnny Depp that the scene didn't work. Apparently, they'd put it uh, put us together in, uh, wow. which is kind of funny to think of like, oh, yeah, that is a weird like staging thing where it's like. Yeah, Tom Noonan is this very tall character, so they have to kind of figure out how to use him. Yeah, and maybe in Public Enemies, like that's a Dillinger movie, right? Yes. Like, mm, I don't know, but maybe Mann was trying to position Dillinger as a larger-than-life character. And so like, how do yeah. you put a short actor next to a really tall actor when yeah. the short one is supposed to be the domineering character? Yeah. Um, he, I also found his website, TomNoonan.com, where Hell it has yeah. his information to contact if you want to hire him in Whoa. things. Um. And then, yeah, so sources I used, uh, Slate.com, um, Filmmakers Magazine, um, and then the AV Club had this really awesome uh, piece that was just them kind of spitballing different uh, movies he's been in and him, like, giving a little bit of information oh, about cool. each of them. Um, so it was a nice way just to get, like, a lot of information in one article. Uh, so I, I, I'm not sure if AV Club does a lot of that, but I really liked that style of interview. It's really cool. It's also, it's interesting to think about him in the context of our show where like, you know, Manhunter is not really a B movie, mm. but I suspect it's the movie that is the reason he is so often hired to be in yeah, probably. a lot of B movies and be scary characters and stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of an interesting, like different path, I think, mm. from a lot of the actors that we've talked about on the show yeah. so far yeah it's such a distinct performance in a genre movie yeah and so it's a and you know obviously genre people b-movie people like they like michael mann and it yeah, makes yeah. sense that they want him and stuff and like uh you know before i liked horror i liked thrillers and specifically stuff like with serial killers yeah. so like these kind of things are things that drew me to horror eventually yeah. i think uh which is kind of interesting yeah you want to just like talk about heat for thirty five more minutes because I feel like we could talk about heat I for like could. a real long I time. I am now thinking of like if I write a Michael Mann piece, which I feel like I would like to maybe write like a larger like Michael Mann on like masculinity kind of piece and just talk about heat and Manhunter and Thief because I think they all have such fascinating characters and I love all of them. I'm I'm now in my head trying to formulate a way that you could come up with like a feminist angle on man just so that you could write a series called The Feminist Man. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh cool. So yeah, that's uh that's our Tom Noonan. Noonan. Yeah. Uh you can find us everywhere on the internet at Killer Bees Podcast. That's Killer BS Podcast on social media and everywhere else. Um, you know, subscribe to our show where you can leave us a rating and a review. Email us. Tell us who you want us to cover. We'd love to hear from you. 
Um, you can find me on the internet at Philadelphia. That's with an F. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter there. Check out my Letterboxd. I love my Letterboxd. Um, and, uh, you know, find me on Movie John. Yeah. Uh, you can find me, Tori Batenza, on all of the things, helping run our Killer Bees account. Uh, yeah, I have, uh, by the time this is released, my um, Patreon podcast episode will be up oh, yes. where I talk to Ryan about the Green Knight. Um, so check out our Patreon. We have tiers as low as $5, and you can hear us uh, chat about the Green Knight. And uh, I get to be interviewed by Ryan, which was like kind of a fun, interesting yeah. experience. Uh, so yeah, definitely uh, check that out. Yeah, and um, you know, uh, speaking of that, like check out the uh, the actual magazine, Movie John. Uh, I have a cool article in what yeah. I assume is the most recent issue. So Yeah, and we're always writing on the blog. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's get out of here. All right. Buzz, buzz. buzz.